Welcome everybody to another episode of the Knicks Recap Podcast. I'm your host Troy and joining me today, my very special co-host today obviously, Greg Schwartz from Bleacher Report. Now let me tell you a little bit about Greg actually because I actually consider him, I don't know if he likes the nickname but I gave it to him anyways, one of the GOATs of Bleacher Report. 14, I'm correct here, right? You're entering your 14th season covering the NBA, yeah. am I right? Yep, 14th for Bleacher Report this upcoming year, you got it. 14 years covering Bleacher Report, guys. He's an NBA insider with them as well, too. Gets a lot of the information and the scoops. But one of the things you may not know about Greg, he actually was a reporter for Cleveland a while ago, and now he's doing the Bleacher Report thing. He's head for Bleacher Report for the NBA, covering all of these different topics. We're going to get into a lot of different topics. But I think, Greg, it's really, really important that we head into the, this particular topic here, talking about Donovan Mitchell. Because I think a lot uh, of people... Yes. I think a lot of people... Uh, no, probably heard about the Donovan Mitchell thing going on all off season. They wanted to know what are the updates going on with Donovan Mitchell. And since you are from the Cleveland area, obviously you follow the team more than other teams, but obviously you follow a lot of other teams as well too. But many, many different uh, sources around the league and you know NBA insiders alike, especially Steph Bondi, he actually reported that the Knicks are monitoring three targets in particular. Said Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid. And obviously, uh, Donovan Mitchell. But then, Greg, Donovan said this in regards when he was asked about the extension. I still have the opportunity to sign an extension next summer. My primary focus is this. Just trying to go out there and trying to be the best team we can be and bring a championship to the city and go from there. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. I think for me, I can say that he's not openly going to acknowledge the fact that he wants to leave Cleveland, at least not right now. They want to go give it another year. But everything during the offseason, obviously last year when the Knicks tried to trade for him, the Knicks and Donovan seemed like a perfect match. It seemed like a perfect fit. The Knicks apparently are still monitoring him. What are you hearing about the Donovan Mitchell situation right now in Cleveland? Is there any talk at all about him potentially being traded to the New York Knicks or any particular team based on what you're hearing? Yeah, so Donovan has two years left. Um, it's two with the player option, but it, it's going to be two. I mean, he's, he's not going to pick up the player option. That makes absolutely no sense. He's going to go into unrestricted free agency, most likely. Um, he has an opportunity to sign an extension now. He said that, or he either said it was reported that he's not going to do it. Um, and that's for financial reasons. If he, if he extends now, it's going to be a shorter extension. He's not going to make as much money on it. It makes no sense. I, it doesn't matter if he's playing for Cleveland, New York, the Lakers. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, it'd be stupid to sign an extension now. Um, he also has the opportunity to sign an extension next offseason. And that's when things are going to get really interesting. Because then when you only have one year left on your deal, uh, then the heat gets turned up a little bit more. When you got two years left, okay, there's still some comfort level there. But with one year left, yeah, then you really uh, have to have a conversation. So, um, I think there's a chance he extends next year. Uh, he could sign a four-year extension, be well over $200 million. But if he wants to max out financially, he will wait until the summer of 2025. He will go into unrestricted free agency. Um, obviously, Cleveland could pay him the most. They can give him a five-year deal then, max contracts. He'll be making comfortably over $250 million on that deal. And other teams will be limited to giving him a four-year deal. Now, 
if he really wants to go play somewhere else, be it the Knicks, be it, you know, an, another big market like that, maybe he would leave some money on the table. We've seen superstars do that before. Um, he's also a guy that he's he's gotten his big contract already. It's not like he's coming off a rookie deal. It's not like he's looking for his first big payday. He's already got that. So maybe he does leave some money on the table in, in terms of happiness. Um, I think it's ultimately going to come down. Can he compete for championships in Cleveland? I think he is such a competitor that the ability to win and getting paid, he's going to get paid no matter where he goes. It doesn't matter if it's Cleveland, New York, anywhere else. He's going to get paid. He's going to get a max deal. Right. But the ability to compete for championships is going to define what Donovan Mitchell does. And the year one, I don't want to say it was uh, a disaster because they won 51 games and they had the number one defense and they, you know, got the home court advantage in the playoffs. But when you got kicked in the mouth by the Knicks, I mean, what a disastrous situation for the Cavs to not only, you know, blow a home court advantage, uh, you lose in five games. Uh, the problems that you had in game one were the problems you had in game five. You didn't fix anything. You got out coached. You got out hustled. You got out. Uh, you know, the Knicks were more physical in the series. And Donovan Mitchell struggled. And so you just saw the team that could have traded for Donovan Mitchell that didn't that now still has all of its assets and young players and, and draft picks down the line and they beat you in five. That was like a nightmare scenario for the Cavs to happen. And then Donovan Mitchell made some headlines where he was talking about the electricity in the garden and how excited he was to play there. And I was like, Oh no, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> and then the, there's a picture pops up of him playing golf with Alan Houston this summer. And I was like, Oh, that's not good uh as as a Cavs fan that you you probably don't want to see that so yeah um I say all this the same if he wants if money is the most important thing he'll stay in Cleveland if winning is the most important thing we don't know yet because the Cavs have to at least I would say minimum Eastern Conference Finals appearance this year and prove to him look we're really close to winning a championship um because if that doesn't happen I I remember very clearly in 2010 when it was all about LeBron in Cleveland and it was championship or bust. And they took a big step back. They went to the finals in 07. They went to, uh, they never made it back to the finals after that. And in 2010, they lost in the second round of the Boston Celtics and LeBron walked off the court, stripped off that Cavs Jersey. And you just knew it was over. And Dan Gilbert kind of went on record. The owner of the Cavs went on record saying, we'll never be in this situation again, where we'll let a superstar leave us for nothing and maybe he feels differently 13 14 15 years later maybe he doesn't um but yeah for now donovan mitchell's with the Cavs. they're not going to treat him right now uh but again that could all change next summer when he has one year left on his contract so and first of all thank you so much for that answer and i really appreciate that obviously a lot of nick fans believe he's coming here just it, it, just give me a read here based off of what you think if if you could call it right now do you think Donovan resigns with the Cavaliers, or do you think that when it's time to make that decision, he'll sign with a different team? If you if you could call it, I mean, his that superstars don't stick around. I mean, I've watched LeBron leave twice. Uh, LeBron leaving in 2018 is the reason why I cover the entire league now, and not just the Cavs. So uh, I I hate to say that. Uh, oh yeah, he's definitely resigning. Um, that being said, if the Cavs 
win a title in the next two years, which I don't think is going to happen this year. But if it happens in two years, I don't think he'll leave. Um, if they fall short in the next two years, which I'd say they will, I think there's a really good chance he'll leave. Um, the question is, you know, they're keeping him this year. If they go into the 2024-2025 season and they get off to, you know, an okay start or the fourth seed, fifth seed, and Donovan's looking around going, I don't have the help I need, and they go to the trade deadline, that's when things are really going to get interesting. Because at that point, too, if you're the Knicks, you're like, you're like three months away from signing this guy. Do we really want to trade a bunch of stuff at that point to get him? when we know we're probably the front runner uh, in free agency to land them. So I, as of this year, Knicks fans, you're not getting Donovan Mitchell, um, but that could change next summer. We'll see. That's actually lines up with a lot of NBA insiders as well too, uh, Greg, because a lot of them said really the most uh, feasible uh, trade throughout, and we're going to get to this, uh, through in during the season anyways, is going to be Cat, right? And then obviously uh, with Joel Embiid and Donovan Mitchell, you don't expect those type of stars to be traded in season. You expect those trades to happen really during the offseason. That's why a lot of people have their eyes on the next offseason because a lot of these storylines are going to close. Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, what happens there? Donovan Mitchell with Cleveland, what happens there if they fail again? And if they do fail again, to your point, maybe that desire to be traded gets louder. And maybe him showing up in New York and doing these, you know, workouts in New York like we see him doing the offseason and these pro wor- uh, runs maybe that comes even stronger so I absolutely love that but that's a great sound bite right there you heard it he potentially is likely gonna leave and like he said he saw LeBron James leave which made him twice <laughs> I was up close and personal so I cannot say with confidence that a superstar is gonna resign I cannot say that with confidence I, and to be honest, the, the misery that, that you're experiencing is kind of music to my ears because I got to say, uh, I got the spider bug. I've wanted spider for a while. I'm not going to lie about it. I love them. I don't care what they say about an undersized backcourt. There is almost nobody that can stop the firepower offensively that a Brunson and Donovan backcourt could give you. I'm just saying, I think I, I would love that. And I think Donovan could be a willing defender as well, too, when he wants to be, if he's not carrying such of a heavy offensive load. But one thing I do want to mention, because we're talking about defense, talking about guards, you wrote an article, and it, it was one of my favorite articles, actually, but some Nick fans, especially if you read the comments on it, didn't like it as much. It's about uh, somebody's favorites, there's a lot of uh, Nick fans' favorites, Quentin Grimes. So you wrote an article basically titled, NBA Starters Who Should Come Off the Bench. And one of the people that you listed was Quentin Grimes. Now, I want to quote you a little bit here, where you said, uh, in terms of Quentin Grimes, the move to the bench has nothing to do with Grimes' play and everything to do with the level of success the Knicks had with Josh Hart last season. You said when Grimes shared the floor with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, New York had a ho-hum net rating of plus 1.6. But with Hart in the game, Brunson and Randle, this number jumped all the way to 18, uh, plus 18.1, which was 100 percentile via cleaning the glass, as you wrote. So... Uh, it's no secret for me. I want Grimes to experience the Emmanuel Quickly treatment. Quickly was allowed to grow off the bench. You saw what he can do. I feel like Quickly should start. I feel like that's what he's grown into. Quentin Grimes absolutely feel like he could thrive off the bench and showcase more of his game. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on what you wrote about Quentin Grimes and why you feel like he's one of the stars on the New York Knicks who should potentially come off the bench? Yeah, I, I get a nice... Uh... DM about every other day from Knicks fans that are 
you know, totally calm about that reaction. But I'm glad you pointed out the first sentence, which was, this has nothing to do with the play of Quentin Grimes. But if you look at the numbers, ever since Josh Hart was traded to the New York Knicks, um, his on-off rating is just tremendous. I mean, and it's and it was that way in Portland. It was that way in New Orleans. Like, he just impacts winning. And you could say, like, well, and I know he shot the three ball really well since he got to New York. But if you look at his, you know, career record it's it's bound to go down a little bit he's never been a, a consistently great three-point shooter and that's you know the primary um pushback that i get from knicks fans no we need a three-point shooter we need a floor spacer you know mitchell doesn't shoot julius isn't a great shooter rj's not a great shooter okay i get that i completely understand um but those numbers that you relayed that i put in the article you know if you put in your two best players Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, okay. Those are the guys that are carrying the franchise right now. So you've got to find who are the best pieces to put around them. And if it's Quentin Grimes, you're like, yeah, we're beating teams by about one point per 100 possessions. Not great. If those are three of your starters, that's not great. And you put Josh Hart in there. And, you know, I, I didn't want to take Quentin Grimes out, but who else do you bench? You don't, I don't think you bench R.J. Barrett. Um, so you got to keep it. it the answer comes down to Quinn Grimes, whether that's fair to him or not. And just to get Josh Hart in the starting lineup and Hart's numbers. And if you just look at Josh Hart on the court with Jalen Brunson, it's like plus 22 per 100 possessions are beating teams by an average of 22 points. Like it's something just ridiculous because obviously they have chemistry together. Um, obviously they have very different game styles that I think mesh very well because Josh Hart will literally do anything you need him to do to impact winning. Um, now I was there game one Cavs Knicks uh, in a first round playoff series. And just every time Josh Hart came in the game, it was like, you could just feel it from the Cavs players. Like, Oh crap. Like this guy <laughs> is just going to make life miserable for us. Like he's going to hit a big three point. And he, I think he even hurt his ankle in that game too. And he was still limping around yep. playing great defense, hitting threes and just, he just gets these like soul crushing rebounds that you have everyone boxed out. And here comes Josh Hart flying in at six foot four <laughs> grabbing rebounds over seven footers. And it just drives you nuts when you're on the other team. So nothing against Quentin Grimes. I just, I love Josh Hart. I absolutely love Josh Hart. And I think you need to get him as many minutes as possible with Jalen Brunson. And whether that's as a six man, whether that's as a starter, you just have to get them on the floor together um, I know Quentin Grimes started uh, the first preseason game. He'll probably start during the season, I would guess. But you got to make sure you give uh, Brunson and Hart a ton of minutes together because the numbers don't lie. They have been killing teams uh, when those two guys are on the floor together. You know, and I read the article as well, too. For me, um, and, and I agree with that that standpoint as well, too. I looked at the numbers as well, and I, I know a lot of people right now, I see you guys in the chat. I see you guys already bringing up the stuff to Greg about where uh, he got the numbers from, what he's using it from in terms of percentiles. We're going to get to your questions right at the end when I have a couple more minutes uh, with Greg. But I want to ask him a few more things about this because I read the article. But for me, one of the reasons I want Grimes on the bench, and it just, it just makes sense, Grimes is more than just a 3 and D guy. He's more than that. He is one of the better cutters on the team, and we don't see him cut. He worked with J.J. Redick on coming off of screens. <laughs> I just wonder why would you work on that? And then we don't get to see that. 
So I absolutely agree. I think he'd get more opportunity off the bench as well, too. Um, jo- I, you know, I argue that you could either do a, a Josh Hart to the three, R.J. Barrett to the two, or if you want to keep R.J. Barrett at the three because you want the size, you could put Emmanuel quickly in there at the two because I feel like, you know, I believe in his shot. And also, you don't lose defense there as well. Um, with, with the Josh Hart thing, I, I know you're not saying for him to start. Obviously, you're just saying the chunk of minutes should be with Josh Hart. But if you could call it for the Knicks right now, um, in terms of a starting lineup, right? If you're taking Grimes out, how would you um, put the starting lineup for the Knicks? Who, who would be the starters? Oh, it's tough. I mean, obviously, Brunson's at the one, Reynolds at the four, Mitchell's at the five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, the numbers with, that's the thing. You don't want to bench R.J. Barrett because he's 23. I know you haven't seen what you want to see from him and what he kind of teases you at times. Uh, but the numbers with him on the floor aren't great. Um, I mean, I, I had him pulled up earlier, and it was like every single year of his career, he's been a, a net negative when he's been on the floor. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. No, I'm not going to say bench him. But <laughs> if you're not going to, and I'm intrigued by Emmanuel quickly as a starter too. I know maybe size wise that backboard could give up some points, but Emmanuel quickly on any given night can be the best player on an, in an NBA game. Uh, I, I just think of the, like the Boston game that went into overtime um, where he just torched the Celtics. I mean, they, just, they couldn't stop him. Yeah. If you can get that version of him, oh, I'd love to see that. But um, Josh Hart, as long as he's cool with being a six man and you're giving him 30 plus minutes a night, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter if he starts um, or comes off the bench or not. But Ooh. for me, I would, I would, I would rather have Josh Hart as a starter and Knicks fans are going to hate me. I don't care. Because I wanted Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson to play together. And if that's what it takes, uh, then that's what it takes. So I'd, I'd roll with Hart as my fifth starter. Funny story. One of my viral tweets that went out, I, I named the starting lineup. And I argue that you should move R.J. Barrett back to the two. It's more natural position. Where I think he'd be better able to guard people there. Because he's not really that... At a, as He's playing a three right now, more of a wing. He's not that great of a three-point yeah. shooter. Not that great of a defender at that size as well, too. Probably better in terms of his size and length at the two as well, too. Give other people uh, fits. And he'd have the ball in his hands more. Be more aggressive. That's more of his game. Josh Hart at the three. Every Nick fan's going to kill me for this as well, too. He still shot 52% from three when he was a Nick. Uh, during the regular yeah. season. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that stat because, you know, his career stats don't really support that. And obviously during the postseason, it like plummeted, I think, to around 33 or 34%, something like that. So he I also under- had an ankle injury. Let's be fair. He had an ankle injury. He tweaked that. Very, very true. Very, very true. But I'm okay with either. Either you move quickly into the starting unit and you give uh, Josh Hart some more minutes, that's fine. Or you put Josh Hart at the three, you start him, right next to R.J. Barrett at the two. I 100% agree with you. I think it makes sense. I think it would work. Um, and I think defensively, as somebody who would just do everything, because he's a everything type of player, Josh Hart, he's perfect for that yeah. role. And the Knicks need somebody at yeah. that position who starts, I think. But let's, let's, uh, I don't want to stay too much on this topic. I know a lot of fans want us to continue with some of the other things we got going on. And, and really, uh, my next question is not, I guess it's not really a hard question, but it's kind of going back to the Donovan thing, but not so much. It's really... <laughs> who's who's gonna be the star the Knicks go after I mean I've heard Paul George saw that fail Joel Embiid all offseason Donovan Mitchell we spoke about at the top of the show and Zion I uh, had Mark Berman on uh earlier uh this 
a couple weeks ago, I think, or a week ago, and he dropped the bombshell, right, stating, and you actually did an article about it on your BS report for it regarding if the Knicks checked in on Zion Williamson, right? And it just makes me think. It makes me wonder. Leon Rose in charge, always thinking, you know, when are we going to figure out which star is he actually going to go after? I still don't have any idea. I'm still trying to wonder now which particular star he would go after. Because the most realistic star in my head would be connection-wise. But the Joel Embiid one doesn't make sense. Daryl Morey, division rival. Donovan Mitchell, like you said, we're a year away. Who's the most realistic star for the New York Knicks at this point in time? I mean, do you want to go realistic or do you want to go pipe dream? No, no, no. Realistic, realistic. We can go pipe dream and say Giannis all day. But I think I think realistic is where oh, we need no, to no, be. No. Yeah. You guys ain't getting Giannis. No, that the Damian Lillard trade killed that. Giannis ain't going nowhere. Giannis yeah. knew exactly what he was doing, putting pressure on that organization, and then they gave him Dame Lillard. So uh, Giannis is signing that extension. He ain't going nowhere. Um, if we're talking realistic, yeah. this is this is not a new name, but I, Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that I think is absolutely going to eventually pop up in trade rumors. Um, okay. Would I go after him if I was the Knicks? I would check on the asking price. But here's the thing with um, Carl Anthony Towns that just scares the heck out of me. Um, Getting ready to start a four-year, $223 million contract extension. And I know salary cap's going up, blah, 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 blah. He's going to make $50 million next season. Um, After that, 53. After that, 57. That final year, when he's 31 years old, $61 million player option. And I know 61 it sounds bad because you know no player has ever made 50 in a year before this year but right. we're gonna have to get used to that number pretty soon when luca and these guys sign their next deals and, and obviously we saw it with jalen brown um 60 million dollars for carl anthony towns who at best in my opinion is a number two on a championship team if you're making 60 million dollars, you gotta be a number one option. i'm sorry i i, I know the cap's going up but you make it 60 you got to be a number one option. That is prime LeBron, prime Steph, prime Giannis. Like those guys, okay, yeah, they, they're worth 60. But Carl Anthony Towns to me, is, he's a number two. And if you trade for him, I assume Julius Randle's going out because, you know, that doesn't make sense with the two of them unless Cat's going back to center, which he doesn't want to play. Um, and that's a lot of money. And it depends. you're going to have to match salaries. You're going to have to give up picks. Because Minnesota's going to want picks back because they gave away all their picks in the Rudy Gobert deal. Um, but that roster in Minnesota is getting stupid expensive. When you factor in that, okay, four years, two twenty-three for Cat. Uh, Rudy Gobert is making over $40 million a year. Uh, Jaden McDaniels hadn't even signed an extension yet. He's going to get at least 20 a year. And then there's this guy called Anthony Edwards, you might have heard of, that just signed a max deal. Um, Minnesota is not going to go into uh, the new ownership alex rodriguez no they ain't paying uh uh, second apron tax level money for that team so um and if you trade rudy gobert you're going to get a fraction of what you got for him so i don't think he's going anywhere so carl anthony towns is a name i think is going to pop up in the um, trade rumors possibly as early as this trade deadline um if nothing else for financial reasons um if i'm the knicks i look into it I say, I make a phone call. I ask what the asking price is. Minnesota's probably going to tell you something outrageous, and you're going to say thank you for your time, and you're going to hang up on them. 
and then you are going to keep your options open. And uh, is, is this trade going to happen? I don't know. But if I'm the Knicks, I am holding out for Joel Embiid. That is who I want. I am every day that the James Harden saga goes on at Philly. I am just loving that. I want that team to just burn to the ground if I'm the Knicks, because <laughs> I want Joel Embiid to go. I already went through this crap with Ben Simmons. Now I'm going through this crap with James Harden. I am the freaking league MVP. I don't want to put up with this any longer. Just get me out of Philly. I have donated too much of my life to here. Uh, this organization is just too dysfunctional for me. Trade me somewhere else. Would Daryl Morey choose the Knicks? Uh, it'd be tough, but if the Knicks make the best offer, which that's a great thing about the Knicks. They got a lot to trade. They got a lot of picks. They got a lot of players that teams like. I am holding out for Joel Embiid. And if the Carl Anthony Towns price is reasonable, maybe I do it. But I am hoping and praying that Joel Embiid requests a trade. I can get him as my starting center and still keep Jalen Brunson and still keep some good pieces around there. That is a championship caliber team. That's who I'm holding out for. Joel Embiid is my number one guy I want the Knicks to go after. The unfortunate part is, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about it. I've kind of tried to make sense of it. The only way I think a trade like that happens, I mean, it has to be Joel Embiid asking for it. I think that's part of it. In some way, he has to, it has to get out there that he wants to leave. And I also think the other aspect of that is really the Knicks kind of just saying to, to Maury, you know, we're not going to give up everything, but mostly everything is up for grabs. And I think that's really what's going to be music to his ears at that point in time, because he wants the cupboard. He wants everything. That's, he's always wanted everything. Yeah. That's not a secret. And when you're dealing with an MVP of the league, you're going you're gonna to get a lot. And he's not going to be the only one vying for his services, obviously. And when you're a good GM, you want to try to send him out west, which is going to make the, you know, the Knicks might give up even more just because of that fact. So there's a lot of things going out there for it. But you said Cat. Man, that hurts hearing Cat. Because honestly, Cat gets paid like a superstar, and doesn't perform like a superstar. And I think we just have to call it like that. It, 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 I've seen too many playoff appearances from him. I've seen, and I know people want to, you know, you know, linger on the Joel Embiid thing and say what he does in the playoffs. We could talk about Joel Embiid's squad, who he's had around him. I tell you one thing: if I give Joel Embiid a young, healthy Anthony Edwards, I think that squad looks absolutely different versus giving Cat that type of Anthony Edwards. I think the difference in level is significant. But the pay is the, nearly the same. That doesn't make sense to me. So yeah, absolutely agree. If you're getting 60, 70 mil, something like that, you need to be starting number one championship team material. If you're not getting that, then yes. what are we talking about here? Um, and this goes into a, a, you know, a really good point here in terms of really where we are now. Because while the Knicks didn't pull the trigger on some of those trades, some other teams in the East thought they would. And they did. Now we're, we're shaking out with Boston and... Milwaukee looking like the top teams in the East. Obviously, Boston finished with uh, 56-25 last year with uh, Milwaukee at 58-23. and Similar records likely going to happen this year, maybe even more depending on how things work out with the chemistry. Obviously, with the power shift now being really in the East, you can make the argument with the Suns too in the West and Denver. But I feel like if you remember the Cavs and Warriors back when you know they were in the league and they had all the talent really, you could call it. I could call what the finals are going to be. Not exactly, but I could give a... 75% guess probably, right? Um, I feel like we're there again. I feel like with, with what happened with Boston and Milwaukee, obviously they're the clear favorites. I feel the Nuggets and the Suns are clear favorites in the West. Fake the argument for the Lakers as well too, maybe. Uh, maybe some other teams, but I feel like they have it locked up. 
So just in regards to the East right now, though, this is focusing on the East. What do you think about the power shift that went on there? And if you had to call it now, what are going to be the top teams in the East, given all the trades have happened? Yeah, I mean, I think there's clearly two teams at the top of the East. Um, if you're the Knicks, I think you're like, hey, we could get the three seed. Um, yeah. But I, it's, it's Boston and it's Milwaukee. And you can put them in whatever order you want. Um, I thought clearly Milwaukee was number one until the Celtics traded for Drew Holiday. And I thought, oh, my God, they just stabbed him in the back. Like, you just took their second best player uh, <laughs> off a title team from two years ago and added it to your starting lineup. What an amazing trade for Boston. Um, and I think Damian Lillard and, and Giannis are the best combo, the best duo in the NBA. When you talk about just mm – -hmm the spacing that Damian Lillard gives because he doesn't shoot three pointers from the three point line. He shoots them from five, 10 feet behind the three point line. Uh, if you talk about just the perfect uh, superstar partner to put with Giannis that Dame Lillard did. Um, and he, to me, personality wise is perfect for that group because he's a killer. He wants to win. He doesn't, you know, he's not a James Harden off the court. He doesn't, he doesn't bother himself with anything like that. He is all in on basketball and, I think that's Giannis's mentality as well. And then you've got some great veterans around him with Brooke Lopez. I mean, Brooke had one of the best seasons of his career last year at age 35. Uh, Chris Middleton, he, was, he wasn't healthy all year last year. But if he, he was an all-star like two of the last four years. If he comes back and plays at that level, uh, and, and, you know, people forget they signed Malik Beasley to a minimum contract. Right. Uh, he, I think he slides in perfectly as a fifth starter there. So, boy, uh, you just look at that roster and you're like, nobody's going to beat them in the East. And then you look at the Celtics roster and you're like, Oh, maybe they could, they're really good too. Right. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Porzingis trade just because the fact that they lost Marcus smart, the fact that, you know, he was just so important in that locker room. And if they were down in a playoff series, he was kind of the guy to kind of rally them back. And when they lost him, I thought I felt like they lost a lot. And then Porzingis is a guy that if you can get 60 games out of him at this point in his career, you're doing good. Um, he's great when he's on the floor, but he's just not reliable. Um, and then they gave him a two-year, $60 million extension. I thought that was a huge risk. And now they're going to have to pay Drew Holiday, too. So that's a team that's getting super expensive. But if you talk defensively, a backcourt of Drew Holiday and Derek White, I, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, Jalen Brown's a good defender, and Jason Tatum's a good defender, and Porzingis is a good defender. Um, that that team's going to be a nightmare to score upon. And, and Al Horford's still playing well in, in his mid-30s. So I think it's ultimately – how does it not come down to those two teams in the East? I mean, the Knicks could have a great year. The Cavs could have a great year. Um, we could see a, another surprise team jump up there. But at the end of the day, it's got to be one of those two. I would give the slight edge to Milwaukee. Um because I think Giannis, no matter what, is going to be the best player in that series. But, wow. I mean, those, those two teams clearly separate themselves at the top of the East for me. So if you had to call it right now, if you had to call, what do you predict potentially the finals could be? If you had to call it. I would say Milwaukee and Denver. Um, I know Denver lost some depth, but they have terrific chemistry. Um, they have the best player in the world, in my opinion, in Oliokic. Um uh, I don't even think we've seen the best out of guys like Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, who still hasn't made an all-star game somehow in his career. Right. Um, and Christian Brown's going to take a next uh, a big step this year, too. So uh, I think Denver and Milwaukee would be in the finals. But um, 
that's that's a great thing about the NBA this year. There, you could pick like eight teams and say, hey, if this team won the finals, would you be shocked? I'd be like, no, I might be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. You know, if the New Orleans Pelicans get a healthy season out of Zion Williamson and they go to the finals, would I be shocked? No, I'd be surprised, but they they were a really good team last year. Right. The Memphis Grizzlies come back and they get Jobber and I wouldn't be surprised. So there's just so many good teams in the East, like you said, when, or in the NBA in total. Like you said, when it was Cleveland and Golden State in the finals for four straight years, it was getting kind of boring. Yeah. Um, and I say that who covered that finals for Cleveland uh, in, in 17 <laughs> and 18. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was almost like, oh, we're back in the finals again. Great. Uh, we have no chance to win because uh, uh, Kevin Durant beating Golden State. But yeah, that's right. a great thing about the NBA. There's so many good teams this year. So it should be a good year. Yeah, I can't wait, actually. I'm, I'm very, very excited. I actually have the Suns and uh, Milwaukee going at it again. And I just, I, I would love the storyline again of uh, Kevin Durant versus Giannis. Let's see if the toe comes into play again, because I think that would be, uh, that'd be pretty funny. But uh, one of the players that I feel like a lot of uh, Nick fans are waiting for, um, at least for, you know, our squad right now, probably, if I had to guess, has to be R.J. Barrett. Um, and you wrote yeah. basically an article um, about, Basically, RJ potentially being ready to take that that next leap, taking taking that next leap into um, into superstardom, ready to become a star. Uh, the article that uh, yeah. Greg Schwartz wrote, if you guys didn't know, you want to check it out. It's called the top uh, or the ten NBA players who could become stars this season. And um, in the article, he basically stated that RJ Barrett is either going to develop into a star for the New York Knicks or be traded for one. With this season perhaps being the last chance at the former. There's still a reason to believe he can reach the star status, though, because, again, just turned 23 this offseason, played in the FIBA World Cup, took home the bronze medal, obviously, with Team Canada, showcased his abilities really well there, although he said that they don't really call anything there. So I don't know how much to make up the game versus what they called or not. But um, I thought this was very interesting because a lot of Nick fans, I don't remember the last time we drafted somebody that the fans were so split on. After that, it's obviously you want him to do well. You see flashes of him doing well, and the flashes look amazing. You look at the playoffs. I wish we could see that Barrett every single game, but we don't. The consistency has always been the issue. So why do you think that Barrett's ready to make that leap into uh, stardom? I would say just based on what I saw in the playoffs last year, um, the first couple of games in the Cleveland series, he didn't really do much. And then I think around game three, he really just turned a corner. Um, and I wrote in the article that you reference, you know, he had an eight game stretch against Cleveland and Miami where um, over those eight games, he averaged 23 points, five rebounds, three assists, shot 38% from three. And it, he just like, he looked like a different player. Like he looked like a guy that, you know, they could put the ball in his hands when they needed a basket um, in, you know, the most pressure packed situation of the year. And he was going to deliver. And I'm like, well, why can't we get this consistently from him? You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I, I was, you know, I'm looking up his age cause I, I got the, the title for the article and I was looking at guys I could consider. And I'm like, RJ's gotta be like 25 now. Right. Like he's been in the league a minute <laughs> and I'm like, wait, he just turned 23 this summer. Like he's going into his age 23 season. Like he is still super young. You know, you look at guys like, uh, I have him on my list, but Jalen, uh, Jalen Williams for Oklahoma city thunder. Like he's yes. like 22 now and he's going into year two. And we were all so impressed by him as a rookie, which he had a great rookie year, but he's 21. Um, and Barrett, I think it's, it's, it's almost weird that he's still 23 or just turned 23, at least to me. I feel like he should be older. So, but 
just seeing him kind of come alive in the playoff series against the Cavs. And then obviously he's had some good games against the Heat as well. I mean, if you look at his numbers next to Donovan Mitchell's numbers in the final three, four games of that series, his numbers were better than Donovan Mitchell's. And you're just like, ah, why, why can't we see this guy? Because, you know, he's had a season where he shot 40% from three. And he's had a season where um, he kind of showcased his, his playmaking ability and his scoring ability. And he has great size. And, you know, like you said, maybe he maximizes that more if he's at the two instead of the three. Maybe it depends on the teammates that are around him. Um, and that could play into it too, but I just think he's your wild card. Uh, if he turns into a star, um, an all-star level talent, which I still think he can do, the Knicks can jump into the conversation as, you know, a top three team in the East with, you know, just I'm maybe not quite on the levels of Milwaukee and Boston this year, but really close and kind of cement themselves as clearly the third best team in the East. Yeah. Um, or if they want to go star shopping and they want to go after – a Donovan Mitchell or a, a Joel Embiid. I think RJ Barrett is the team that other teams would be very interested. There's a player other teams would be very interested because his contract is pretty reasonable. He didn't hold out for the max. Um, that contract's only going to look better as the salary cap goes up and he's still very young. And there's a lot of teams that can talk themselves into, Hey, we get RJ and our, you know, our team, our environment, our, our culture, we can get turned him into an all-star. So like I said, I think he's either going to become an all-star or he's going to be traded for one and he's going to be the trade bait because if I'm running the Knicks, Jalen Brunson is untouchable yep. and everybody else is open for business. And Ooh. that's how I would view this organization going forward. And maybe I'll get in trouble saying that with Knicks fans, but I love Jalen Brunson. Everybody else I like, I love Brunson. There's no way I'm trading him for anyone. Um, so we'll see what happens with, with uh, RJ, but I, I still think he has star potential. I think a lot of fans would love to hear that. And I think the fact that you just said that, was music to their ears because some people have given up on RJ Barrett. I'm not going to lie. Um, this is his last year for me. I feel like uh, there's been a number of slow starts for RJ Barrett. And that's the thing I need to see him kick more than anything else. Even if he has an okay yes. season, if he shows consistency throughout the season, even if it's not 25 points, let's say it's 20 points, even 19 points, but he gets the 19 on fewer shots consistently. I'll see it as an upgrade. That, for me, is what RJ needs to do. If he does that, there's no. I'm not going to say anything about him anymore. But he cannot get off to another slow start because you can't be in year five. And the definition of your career is slow start. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. It doesn't matter if he averages. He doesn't have to average 25 points a game. If he averages 18, but he shoots 49% from the field and 39% from three. I think, I think you're happy with that because yep. you've got other guys that can form. You've got other guys that can facilitate. If he is an efficient scorer, even if he doesn't hit 20 points per game, as long as he's efficient doing it and he's smart, and he's picky with his shot selection, which he can be now because there's so much talent on the roster. Uh, I think you'll get the best, the best version out of him this year. So uh, speaking of best versions, can you, can you tell me how I can get the best version of Evan Fournier? Because, because this guy is still on the team. I know why. I know the contract. I understand. I get it. He played a couple of minutes in during preseason as well, too. Shout out to Evan Fournier. Can't believe that happened. I was shocked. Talk about one thing I never thought would ever happen after making the comments that he did during the summer, basically saying he had no relationship with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, questioned even some of the practices in terms of things that they were doing in the practices. Even the Knicks organization, some of the moves they were making. So all of those things 
You don't expect him to be part of the team. They obviously tried to trade him, but a lot of teams wanted draft compensation. The Knicks didn't want to obviously give up draft compensation, any deal. So here we are. And a number of uh, Bleacher Report uh, writers obviously had a number of trades. Fournier, Detroit, Buddy Heal, I think was another one you guys did uh, recently, which I actually read, which is great. What's going on with Fournier, do you think? Do you think that the New York Knicks are essentially going to hold on to him until until the trade deadline? Are they basically going to ride this out until he has no more value for the team? I hope they never trade him because I love his comments. I love reading them. I love everything about him. Uh, players are, are so rarely that honest. <laughs> he's talking about it would be a disaster if he went two years for his career, if he didn't play. And yep. he's a really good player. And, Did he catch uh, the hostage one, by the way? There. You catch the hostage comment? What's that? He felt like a hostage? Yeah, yeah. hostage comment. That's why I said I hope they never trade him because I just love his comments. I could read them every day. I hope he just tweets his frustration out every day or finds a media outlet to report to. Um, oh, God. I'll, I'll say this. Your, your contract is a lot different when you are not playing and you have two years left on it versus when you have one year left on it and that club option, you know, I mean, you can just waive that right now. Ain't nobody picking up that $18 million next year uh, for Evan Fournier. He is on an expiring contract. Um, and that that's easy to move at 18 million. in, in today's climate, that's very easy to move. Um, the bad thing for him is that since it didn't happen this off season, it ain't going to happen again for another couple months because they've got no reason to. Um, trades happen when there's a deadline, when there's pressure. Look at Damian Lillard. Got traded days before the season started. Um, so I don't think Evan Fournier is going to be traded until probably closer to the trade deadline at this point. I think the Knicks are smart. They use that contract as an asset because if you're looking to match salaries for a guy like, I don't know, Joel Embiid, who's making $47 million, um, that could pair up really nicely with the Mitchell Robinson and you throw in a third player in there um, and draft compensation, whatever else it would take to get done. So I think they're probably not going to play him and that's okay because that contract now has value. That contract for the past two years was one of the worst in the league. It was sticking up the cap sheet. Now it's an expiring contract and all of a sudden it's bright and shiny and now we can cash this in for something. So um, it sucks for him as a person because I'm sure he likes to play and I'm sure he, you know, thinks he can contribute at a high level and still knock down threes and maybe a change of scenery would bring that out of him. I don't know, but yeah, it, it's it's great for us in the media because I love reading his comments about how visible he's there because it's so refreshingly honest and we don't get that from players too often. So uh, yeah, I, I, I suspect he'll be around at least until the trade deadline when they can um, use that contract as trade bait. That's what I'm trying to think of, though, at the trade deadline. Who would they? Because I don't think an Embiid trade's happening midseason. I don't think a Donovan trade's happening midseason. The scary part is you mentioned the name that I think it might be the trade that happens midseason, depending on how things go. The only trade I could see that happening for a contract would make sense is maybe for Cat, depending on how Minnesota yeah. does um, midseason. And obviously, with Steph Bondi reported as well, too, that um, in terms of a midseason trade, uh, the name to watch would be Towns. He's the most feasible. And given the, what we yeah. talked about earlier with, you know, the money and everything else like that, and obviously they have to make decisions, and we know that's Anthony Edwards' franchise at this point in time. It's nobody else's. Uh, they're going to have to make a decision with Cat, and the connections are all there. The money is there. And if you're right and they go into the season with Fournier, it really does scare me in terms of what we might see because he's not going to be the only one that's going in that trade. So I'm I'm very concerned uh, that they're holding on to Fournier going into the 
going into the season. Just uh, really quickly, uh, before I go on to my last question here, just got to ask you direct. Do you think the Knicks trade for Cat during the season? I'm going to say no. Um, like you said, big stars normally don't get traded during the season. I know we saw with Kevin Durant last year, but I mean, he was, he had a foot out the door going back to the summer um, yeah. and then finally got his, his request. So um, do I think that happens mid season? No. Uh, but I, I, you just don't know what's going on in Philly. I know we, we were talking about cat, but you said, you know, Joel Embiid's not going to happen during the season. Can we for sure say that with Philly when we don't know what's going on with James Harden and we saw Ben Simmons get traded at the deadline? Uh, would I would I be willing to bet that, you know, Joel Embiid gets moved next offseason instead of at the deadline? Yes, I would. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, I'll say this about his deal. He's making about $32 million this year, and then it jumps up to around forty-nine. So if you're going to make a trade for him, it would be a lot easier to do so this season. And then if you go into next year, um, teams that get into apron, the second apron territory, which if, you know, Jane McDaniels gets a nice extension, the Timberwolves are going to be a lot more limited on what they can trade. There's a lot of restrictions on that where you can't match player salaries. You can't go over 100%. You can't aggregate players. Um, you can't include money. There's just a lot of trade restrictions. So that kind of points to an in-season cat trade. Again, if I'm the Knicks, I love it. I kind of like it, but I don't love it. And I would be holding out for Joel Embiid. I'd check on the asking price of Carl Anthony Towns, but he's not somebody I'd be like, yes, this is our guy. I'm going to throw all the trade assets at him. Uh, to me, he's, he's not worth it, especially on that contract. So to, to be clear here, you're not ruling out a Joel Embiid uh, trade potentially happening in, dur during the season. As long as James Harden's on that roster and that team has not been, that issue has not been resolved, no, I cannot rule that out because I could see Joel getting fed up with that organization very fast because he's gone through this twice in three years now. And if I were him and I think of myself as the best player in the league and I just won MVP, uh, it, it'd be tough to sit through a whole season if James Harden's on the roster and he's not playing or and we haven't got anything back for him. So you never know. Very, very fair point. And I think the last point, um, and I have to ask it because I read an article today from Bet Online. Uh, shout out to them. I think it was actually covered by Sports Illustrated. So shout out to them as well, too. Um, talking about basically Tom Thibodeau. And one of the things they mentioned about Tom Thibodeau is when they released their opening odds, basically, for the first NBA head coach to basically be relieved of their duties, they mentioned Tom Thibodeau. And he's basically holds the seventh highest odds at 11 to 1 on a list that's paced by Billy Donovan for Chicago at 4-1 to one, to potentially be fired this season. Now, the crazy part is, before we even just talk about that, he took the Knicks last season to the furthest they've went since the time we had Melo back in 2013. So, just given all of that, he's now 7th <laughs> highest odds to potentially be fired. Do you think that's fair, number one? And number two, how realistic is it that he is fired uh, by the Knicks during the season? Uh, I actually would put more money on him winning coach of the year instead of getting fired because I think this is a really good team. Um, after they traded for Josh Hart last year, I think the record was around 17-9. and nine. They had the number one offense in the NBA after that. We know Tibbs can coach a defense. So I actually really like him uh, going into this year because I think the Knicks are going to be really freaking good. 
Um, I think they're going to be a potentially a three seed. Um, I would say no lower than a four seed in the East. I think them and the Cavs are kind of on that second tier of East talent behind Milwaukee and Boston. Right. Uh, he proved what he can do with a roster that I don't want to say plays his style, but is is hard nosed, is smart. And I think when you have Jalen Brunson, you have Josh Hart, and you have Dante DiVincenzo, you have a really you have a lot of really smart players. And I think that matters, especially to a veteran coach that doesn't want to put up with rookie mistakes and doesn't want to put up with turnovers and all this stuff that drives people like him crazy and gets him, you know, into hit one of his little rages on the sideline and his, his grumbling rages. Um, so, which I saw firsthand when he was in Cleveland uh, in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very entertaining to watch in person too. Uh, so, I, no, I don't, I think his job's safe this year. Now, if they get off to a, you know, 15 and 20 start, maybe something happens, but I think the Knicks are going to be really good. I think they're going to be home court advantage in the East. Right. Uh, I think they're going to carry over kind of the success that they had at the end of last season once they picked up Josh Hart because I, I like DiVincenzo too. Um, and really your only loss was what? Obi Toppin. So that's your only loss. And um, you got to play a little bit more small ball. That works in the NBA. And I think the Knicks are going to be good. And I think he's, like I said, he's more likely to win coach of the year than he is to get fired. I, I, I think he's going to have a really good year in New York. Wow. Okay, way to, way to shut down Beto online, Greg. My goodness, forget about them. Let's move over for Greg right here. <laughs> all right. Well, the, Greg, first of all, thank you so much. That was all of my questions. I really appreciate that. The chat is alive and well, Greg. They have been lit the entire time talking about a lot of different things. A lot of people did actually like us talking about Cat. <laughs> I guess you guys don't like Cat. All right, okay. I get. All right, Citizen. We have somebody in the chat saying trade RJ Barrett. Obviously, this guy did not read your article. I'm going to advise you to read Greg's article about why R.J. Barrett is going to be the star on the New York Knicks this year if you can get off to a good start. So I'll, I'll advise you to that. If you guys do have questions right now, is the time to ask him in the chat for Greg. He's going to be answering a few questions. We don't want to keep him for too long. I'm going to scroll up a little bit because I remember some people did ask a couple of questions. So just want to see. So we got Pastor Claudio here. Uh, who's actually name in it says Fire Thibs. <laughs> and uh, he says, you're going to pay Brunson the cat, uh, the cat contract in two years. So I guess obviously the, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans are thinking that right now we have a window with Brunson, which is true. We have a very small window with Brunson. Once that window closes, we will have to pay him. Once that window does close and we have to pay Brunson, let's just say his trajectory kind of still goes upward from what we've been seeing last year and obviously what we think we're going to see this year. Do you think he's getting a similar contract to Cat or higher? Is he going to get the max, basically? I think he's worth the max. Um, I remember you and I talked last summer when he got the $100 million, and everybody's like, oh, $100 million for Jalen Brunson. And we were like, that's a great contract. Right. Like, we had that conversation. We're like, look, this guy's going to be really freaking good in New York. Yeah. Um, people are going to look at that 20 some million a year and go, that's a bargain. Um, I put it on my list last year as, like, one of the top – or one of the top moves that's going to look the best in three years. And – so far, after one year, it looks good. So you got two more years with him. Then he's got a player option. He ain't picking up that player option. He's 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 going to go for the max. I think he's worth it. Um, so, yeah, prepare yourself to pay Jalen Brunson the max. And, look, the Knicks are in great financial shape right now. Um, nobody's even making $30 million on that team this year, one of the few teams in the NBA. So, yeah, I, I can see where you're like, I have a, I have a two-year window. Um but yeah, his uh, free agency year is going to line up perfectly with Donovan's. So uh, 2025 is going to be very interesting. I absolutely agree. I'm looking at that year. I'm looking at next offseason. A lot of moves coming up. I can feel it. 
Uh, we have Jay from East New York over here. He asks, uh, do the Knicks extend, uh, extend or trade IQ? And how does his contract play into it? Yeah, that was, so that's the thing, right? Like you look at these contracts and they gave, you know, Josh Hart's contract's going to run through 2025 and um, <clears throat> Dante DiVincenzo is going to run through 2025. And then you've got Julius with a player option that year and, and um, Jalen, who obviously is going to not pick that up. But yeah, it quickly is going to be the guy that, oof, if he gets a big deal, which if it's 20, if it's 25, I don't I, I doubt it goes over 25 a year, but it's probably going to be in that 20 to $25 million a year range. It would be my guess right now. Um, yeah, that really limits your cap space. Um, I'm not saying don't do it because you can still trade for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, like I said, the Cavs are going to trade Donovan Mitchell this year, but if they lose in the first round again and he starts, you know, dropping more hints that he might want to go somewhere else, um, you could make a trade offer because you have lots of good things. And the Cavs, like I said, I don't think they want to watch another superstar walk out the door for nothing, especially how much they gave up from them. They don't have a first-round pick. They can trade until uh, 2031 at this point uh, because of that Donovan Mitchell trade. So um, I would say pay quickly unless you can put them in a trade for like a, a superstar. But I would trade him, and then I'd, I'd worry about you know cap space later because if you got a talent like that, just keep him. I already said it. I would extend. The trades are happening in my opinion, next offseason. So what's the yeah. harm in extending IQ right now? Extend him, and let's say he goes the Jalen Brunson route, and then that contract looks like a steal. What happens to his value? Yeah. Shoots all the way up there. So what they're trying to do is obviously trying to get that star for IQ, or at least try to center a trade around IQ for that star. You do that, it goes up. And by the way, if you start him, I mean, I don't remember the last I love Lou Williams. Don't remember the last time I saw Lou Williams ever up for a star trade. Normally, starters that are stars are traded for starters as well. Would you agree with that, Greg? I would. Um, and I think you make a fair point. If you get Emmanuel quickly at 20 to $25 million a year and you get him on a four-year deal or a five-year extension because you can sign players to five-year extensions now that aren't max deals, um, which I think is great. Uh, yeah, I think that could turn out to look like a bargain too in a couple of years. We also have another question here from Edward who says, uh, can we get Miles Turner from the Pacers for a couple of draft picks? <laughs> a couple of draft picks. Okay. What do you think, Greg? Do you think the Knicks could uh, get Miles Turner from the Pacers for a couple of draft picks? I actually, I really like that fit. Um, I really do, especially, you know, you're getting more floor spacing. Um, yeah. Swap it out, Miles Turner for Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, you're getting a lot more. I mean, Miles Turner's coming off the best season of his career. He was knocking down three-pointers at a 40% clip for the longest time. I think he settled around 37, 38, which is excellent for, you know, a seven-footer. Um, he doesn't rebound the ball great, but Julius Randle's a really good rebounder. Isaiah Hartenstein's one of the best backup centers in the, in the NBA, in my opinion. Um, so I, I really like that. Do I think the Pacers do it, though? They gave him an extension. Um, they had the chance to trade him. They, they've never gone full rebuild. Uh, I would certainly ask about Miles Turner, but at this point, I think the Pacers are probably more inclined to keep him. Well, there you have it. We have one more question from uh, Big L here, and then we're going to let you go. We don't keep it for too long, Greg. You gave us so much time today. Drop some real good information as well, too. I know you guys are going to catch the playback. It's going to be an amazing playback to listen to as well. For anybody who is watching the playback, kudos to you. Uh, Big L is going to give us our last question for today. Um, and he says, if Zion has another lackluster year 
and uh, and the uh, and New Orleans struggles. Wait, what is that? It says New Orleans struggles. Will they gamble? My, I guess they will. They trade him. I guess more or less. Will they trade him? If if they, if New Orleans has another lackluster year, I guess. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, you your podcast made a lot of waves talking about Zion Williamson the other day. That was uh, yeah. And I, I mean, the, the Knicks reportedly checked in on him. I trust Mark. He knows yeah. what he's talking about, yeah. uh, which is smart. That's what you do. When a star player is potentially available, you check in on him. That's that's just running an organization the right way. Um, if I was New Orleans, I would have seriously considered trading Zion Williamson last year because I Zion's one of my favorite players to watch when he's healthy. I mean, just a complete wrecking ball. He's somebody that I, I wrote this the other day. I think he can lead the NBA in scoring, and he doesn't even have a great three-point shot, but he's just so – dominant when he's on the court um but he's he's reached 30 games one time in four years um i know every media day the last couple years we look at him and say oh he looks great he's in shape i just i think he still needs to lose a lot more weight i think that's still too much mass coming down on those knees and those ankles and i i it does not project well for the rest of his career i think he's he would really have to drop a lot of weight just to you know be easier on his joints and have a long career, which I, I hope he does because he's phenomenal. Um, I think the Pelicans are taking a real big gamble because he still has a lot of value right now. There's still a lot of teams that can talk themselves into Zion Williamson, but let's say he goes again and he makes it till December and then has another injury and they shut him down and he finishes the year with 25 games played again. His value is tanked. Um, he's on a max deal. I know there's a weight clause in there that kind of limits him, but as long as he stays under that weight clause, you still got to pay him a max deal. I mean, that's not nothing. Um, that's a lot of money for a guy who is going to give you 20 games a year. And like I said, he's kind of holding the Pelicans organization hostage because they have a ton of good players there. But if they trade Zion and they get something back, they can win a title. If they keep Zion, he's healthy, they can win a title. If they keep Zion, he's not healthy. They're a playing team every year. So if I'm the Knicks, I, I keep checking in on him. Um, and it just depends on the asking price at that point because he is such a phenomenal talent that he's worth checking in on. But, man, I if I had to bet on Zion Williamson staying healthy, I wouldn't do it right now. And there you have it, guys. I know we have a couple of other questions. Unfortunately, guys, I can't keep Greg any longer. I've kept him a little bit longer, actually, than I was supposed to. He's been actually very kind. Oh, you're good. You're good. So I really appreciate it, Greg. Thank you so much. If you're not following Greg on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing. Please go ahead and follow him. He's always in the Bleacher Report articles. He's dropping articles all the time. I read three articles for him, and it was only in this week. I wasn't even supposed to talk about yeah. these articles with him this week. I just It just happened to be that way because I they just came out again. Grimes, R.J. Barrett, the BS rumors. You have to think about it. He wrote about the Zion thing. If you want to know a little bit more about what he thinks about Zion and all of the updates that we talked about recently on the show, you got to read that article. He drops great information. He's one of our friends of the show. Very long-time guest, actually. One of the very first guests. And I'm very happy to say a friend as well, too. Greg, thank you so much for joining the show. I know all of us really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Troy. I appreciate it.